Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, at managing editor of FightfulMMA.com. Go over there, get your MMA news. Live coverage, we have hundreds, thousands of comments even every time we do live coverage. Three big events coming up this weekend. Sunday is going to be busy. UFC, WWE, head-to-head. I will figure out a way to cover both of those. We have two Bellator shows this weekend, too. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Joined by James Lynch. James, you've talked to a bunch of people that are uh, on any number of these shows coming up this weekend and uh, upcoming weeks. How you been doing? I've been doing well, man. It's uh, it's good to be back doing the show. Like you said, a lot of action going on this week. Uh, we had you know a Bellator and a UFC last week, so it never ends, man. But it's it's good. It's always good to watch a lot of MMA. Also joined by one Showdown Joe. Joe, how are you? Scholars, how are you guys? Uh, pretty good, considering uh, the massive snowstorm uh, that we got started to get this morning. Uh, had to drive halfway across town, James, from uh, Stovall, where I live, to Vaughn, and then oh, back geez. to make it in time for the podcast. Uh, it is insane. Sean Rossap, imagine seven massive plowing trucks on the highway. You're not allowed to pass them. It's illegal. So you get caught behind them. The roads are nice, but you ain't getting anywhere real quick. So I made it back in time. But uh, I have seen well. Toronto traffic. It doesn't sound that much worse than it normally is. True. Uh, better a snowstorm than a shitstorm, and that's what the UFC uh, <laughs> experienced Saturday afternoon. Yeah. You know, I I mention it before every show, and it's gotten to the point where people will ask me about fights that are happening in three weeks, and I said, I don't know. That's not even in my in my mind right now. I don't really even think about a fight that much until a couple of weeks ahead of time. Can't think about it until a few hours ahead of time. James Robert Whitaker withdrew from UFC 234 due to uh, <clears throat> a hernia. Now, initially I thought, well, of course, maybe they'll make Adesanya and Silva an interim fight. They couldn't do that because Silva didn't make the championship weight. That's why if you are on the same show in the same weight division as someone <laughs> who is defending their title, you should always make that championship weight. What were your thoughts when you initially heard this? Uh, They say it's not weight cut related, but it's hard for me to believe that something doesn't happen to the human body that that can lead to something like this when you're losing any amount of weight. But I want to know your thoughts. 
Well, yeah, and I, you, I, I agree with you. And I think that we see more of these main events getting pulled at the last minute. Um, it just never seemed to happen uh, years ago. Now, I know they're doing more shows, but seriously, it's uh, it's becoming a bad habit. I've been at a couple of main events where, you know, they, they have pulled the plug, or a couple of cards, I should say, where they have pulled the plug. Uh, Max Holloway and Ortega, uh, Amanda Nunes when she fought Valentina. So we've seen this, but, but you know, this was as close as it gets, three hours away, uh, and, and they pulled the plug in it. Um, you know, just want to wish Robert Whitaker a speedy recovery. He's had just some terrible luck with injuries remember he was supposed to fight Rockhold and you know th- this whole card essentially was built around him because he's from Australia and uh clearly um you know he wasn't able to go so I, I feel for him and uh you know a card that was not that strong to begin with like we talked about on the preview show got you know a lot weaker thankfully it turned out to be a, an okay card but uh you know I mean that was a tough sell three hours before uh you know telling people to, to fork out 60 bucks for uh, an Anderson Silva and Israel Adesanya main event and uh Lando Venata in the co-main event yeah uh, Lando Venata picking up a much needed win Joe, what was your thoughts when you saw Kelvin Gastelum running around with the UFC flyweight championship belt saying that it was his? I thought it was a corny, bad attempt at a promo. What you just said, right? Like, what are you doing? Why? I, I, I don't even know what you're thinking. You know better. You've got to fight for a title to become the champ. You don't ever win it by default, technically speaking. I mean, we've had some crazier things happen in the UFC, but... Come on, man. Like, you don't walk around with the belt like that. It's it's just silly. I mean, I feel bad for Whitaker, obviously, for what happened. I have to go through surgery. But when I when I saw that information come across my phone, I'm like, you got to be kidding me the day of. Wow. What is going on here? It's just terrible luck. And it's funny, Vinny Fernando uh, just posted on the live chat, allegedly, Cain Velasquez is fighting on Saturday. <laughs> right? Like, that's, yeah. that's pretty much what it's gotten to with so many different fighters. Now, Kane's had legit back injuries. I mean, let's, let's be honest for a second. And what happened to Whitaker uh, is horrible. It's absolutely horrible. But, Sean, you made a very good point. What the bo- human body goes through when you cut weight, especially when you consistently cut weight, you're traumatizing the inner, your inner organs. You're traumatizing your body. Now, some people are tougher than others, and they can, you know, handle it. Some people can't. Some people, the body's like, no, we're not doing this anymore. We've got to stop doing this. So, uh, you know, hopefully whatever happened to Robert, it's, it's all, it'll all be taken care of with the hernia surgery, but feel terrible for him. And it's, again, I don't think it's the first time, guys, where an ultimate fighter show, the main event, uh, got dismantled. I can go back to thinking, yeah. I think it was Chuck Liddell or Rich Franklin at one point, or uh, I think even Shane Carwin and, and, and Junior DeSantos or something of that nature. So it's crazy oh, it when happened. the UFC... It's happened lots of times. Yeah, right? I mean, it's crazy when the UFC uses the show to promote a main event, which is generally what it does. And then that main event falls through. You get all this promotion, all this backlash afterwards, right? So I kind of feel bad actually for the organization. Not really their fault, but man, crazy things are happening nowadays. To be honest with you, tough is so far out of my mind. I forgot that they even coached that show. Yeah. But uh, I get what Gaslam's doing. And hey, there are more people that want to see him get beat up than there were before. But he's pulled out or missed weight in six fights. So there you go. You have Israel Adesanya defeating Anderson Silva. Joe, I called this more of an exhibition than a main event fight. It really seemed like 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 such, but it was a spectacle. In my recommendations, I did say from a historical perspective, it was worth seeing. I thought Anderson Silva looked pretty good in defeat, but uh, what did you make of Israel Adesanya emerging victorious? To me, I think he's just as deserving of a title shot as Gaslam at this point because he's actually active. He fights, he makes weight, and uh, doesn't run around with a toy belt. Uh, yes and no. Um, the performance by Anderson Silva was, uh, you know, obviously it wasn't vintage. Uh, it was fun to watch. I liked it. I really enjoyed it. I, you know, I could care less about the booze because you're talking about two extremely high level, uh, not just high level strikers, but high level snipers. You, one mistake, it's game over. 
So you got to be careful. And I, I thought it was really cool with, you know, stupid, but cool that Anderson, when he put his head down or hands down and got popped in the face a few times and still was able to go. Uh, I like the fact that, you know, he put his back against the cage again in typical old school Anderson Silva style. And uh, Israel didn't really want to have much of it. But Israel's performance is something else. Now we're really finally people hopefully got to see what this kid's all about. He's absolutely fantastic. Now, do I buy the fact that he should be getting a title shot? Uh, yet? No, I don't, I don't think so just yet. Even though he defeated Anderson Silva, who's ranked number 15 as of today, uh, wasn't, I think it was 15 last week as well, but there are still a couple of guys ahead of him that I would like to see him fight uh, in the rankings. And that could be, uh, you know, your, your Jacques Souza's, uh, even your Luke Rockhold or your Chris Weidman's, right? Uh, there is at least one or two fights I'd like to see him contend in before he gets that title shot. Do I think he's going to be the middleweight champion one day, guys? Yeah, I, I really think, uh, but, you know, Got to fight Whitaker eventually. James, your thoughts on the fight and the future for Israel Adesanya? Yeah, I think a lot of people weren't impressed with Israel's performance, but I just think looking back, it was a bad style matchup. I mean, I wasn't a fan of this fight to begin with, and uh, I think people were expecting a, a quick highlight reel finish, but no one's really done that to Anderson. If you look at the time he was finished against Chris Weidman, it was you know it was him basically being too cocky and got caught. And then the second fight, obviously, he broke his leg. But um, you know, I, I think that if, if like you, you couldn't expect Israel to you know go out there and submit him or go out there and get anything other than a, than a highlight reel finish, and when that didn't that didn't happen, that's when you heard the boos. I thought it was a good performance by Israel but again it wasn't an exciting kind of dominant fight like we were used to with him just because of the fact I think the style matchup just wasn't good if you weren't able to put Silva away early then it's going to be just him you know outstriking him bit by bit but Anderson was game in this fight um, I actually think they should rebook the Calvin Gaslam and Whitaker fight next just because Gaslam made weight he did everything he had to do I think he deserves it I don't think there's any rush to get Israel to the title I know you know he just beat Anderson Silva the legend they can use that as leverage to, to get a fight with him and Whitaker but I wouldn't mind seeing Jacare fight Israel and I I know people will disagree with that because then you risk, you know, sort of killing a prospect there. But Israel's a young enough guy. We have to remember he hasn't even been he's been in the UFC for about a year now. Um, I, I don't think there's any reason to rush him towards a title at this point. So, um, you know, I say do Gaslam and uh, and Whitaker and then and give Jacare, you know, at least a, a, another fight or, you know, because people argue that Jacare should get the title shot. Well, let's see if he can beat Israel. And if he does, then then I think you have the winner of kind of little mini tournament there. Some of these fights, I'm thinking, man, Lando Venata against Marcos Mariano. I, I beat this drum a lot. This guy is six and five that Lando Venata fought. Now he's in a pay-per-view co-main event. Nadia Kasem against Montana De La Rosa. I, I hadn't done my, done my due diligence until Saturday. I realized that Nadia Kasem in her first five fights, pro and amateur, combined number of wins for her opponents, zero. Uh, hmm. That showed on Saturday night. Ricky Simone versus Ronnie Yaya was very good. But the fight that I want to speak about right for, for the moment is Jimmy Crute defeating Sam Alvey. Sam Alvey, who has been critical of Mark Goddard in the past and perhaps deservedly so for some of his fights, I didn't think so here. I, man, you, you see Sam Alvey just get dropped. And not only that, he got the, I called it the green mushroom one-up from Mark Goddard. That fight could have been stopped right there. Mark Goddard tossed him that green mushroom. Sam Alvey ate it and tried to continue, got swept. And he got turned into a Luther Campbell lyric, guys. He was face down, ass up on the mat, and the fight wasn't stopped. And still, <coughs> still got the opportunity to come back. James, was this, how did you feel about this? Did he have a right to complain? His team wasn't happy either. 
I'm curious to get Joe's thoughts on this. I, I didn't think it was an early stoppage when I when I saw the you know I saw him go down and obviously he was out a little bit and then you know Crute was still landing shots on the ground. I know Alvi had his, his uh, hands up, but Crute was still getting shots in there. I didn't have an issue with the stoppage, and I think in a, in a case like Alvi with a guy who's had as many fights as he has, you know, I know he doesn't get finished often, but he is getting up there in age. I think it's better to, to play it safe than than to let it go on even further and sustain more damage, in my opinion. I, I didn't have an issue with the stoppage. I can understand with Alvi because he's had issues with Goddard in the past, and he's talked about this like you said, but in general, I don't think that was a bad stoppage. I've watched it a few times. I, I thought it was fair. Joe, can you guys see this? Yeah. This is not a sign of intelligently defending yourself. Glad you said that. <laughs> exactly. This is a sign that I need to get out. Panicking, getting out is is intelligently defending yourself. Rolling onto your back, rolling onto your side, doing something after you've been dropped is important. This is not intelligently defending yourself. Now, take nothing away from Sam Alvey, who is tough as nails, and you know, in, in most situations. Like, I'll be honest with you, if that was a title fight, guys, I may have say it's an early stoppage. I know people are like, you should sure. make a difference between a title fight and a non-title fight. Well, yeah, you should because the guys deserved uh, to get in there. And whether it's a champion or a challenger, you got to give a bit more leeway, whether you like it or not. But Sam got dropped. Sam got put on the ground. And Sam was getting pummeled. This is not, you know, I'm getting my head bounced all around like this is not intelligently defending yourself. You're not defending yourself. So, uh, you know, unfortunately for him, I do agree with Mark Goddard and, you know, Dana White who's been critical of referees in the past and, you know, isn't always right when it comes to that, despite uh, just because he's been the promoter and been the owner or founder or president of the UFC for you know, the better part of 20 years, doesn't mean he knows uh, MMA refereeing and judging guys. Come on, think about that for a second. We've seen it with our commentators as well. Come on. I want to put a bow on this event, uh, but the, I want to know what moments stuck out to you guys elsewhere on the show, because quite honestly, not a lot on this show really mattered in the grand scheme of things. Devontae Smith stood out to me several different things and his post-fight interview exactly this guy has a future in broadcasting whether it be (laughs) next week or when his career is over when you get dominic cruz to say i don't think i can break his fight down any better than he just did moments after this happened and he already knows what he did subconsciously that is remarkably impressive all three of us have worked as broadcasters it's not that easy when you have the benefit of replay sometimes. Uh, he looked great. He, he did great in his post-fight interview. He was very charismatic. James, I love Devontae Smith. I've been big on this guy for, for years, since the first time I interviewed him, which was years ago, before the John Gunther fight, actually. And uh, this guy I knew had superstar potential. I think the biggest thing we got to look at, aside from his personality, which, like you said, sells itself, is that he made a really smart move after the Gunther loss, and that was training at Factory X. And we're seeing uh, you know, those those uh, dividends pay off. Uh, another impressive win. I know people criticize the lack of opposition here, you know, because Ma, not exactly like you know a, a super tough challenge, but... I think uh, in general, the, the UFC is building this guy up properly, and I think he can be a star in the lightweight division. He's got the personality. He's got a good fight style. He's really young, and again, he comes from a good camp too. So I think uh, this that I agree. This, this this was one of the big positives. I also thought Jalen Turner getting the win, uh, you know, in the yeah. second fight of the night, uh, just rebounding from that awful, awful, awful matchmaking uh, the UFC did before that, putting him against Vicente Luque. Glad to see him get back on the track, fighting in his natural weight class of one fifty five. But yeah, Devontae and Jalen Turner were the, were the two that really stood out for me. Devontae's had a good year, too. He started off, I think, last March. He beat Justin Edwards, who I called one of his fights last year. Justin Edwards is still, I mean, he's capable of beating Carlo Prater on the, the regional scene, and that, that's an okay win. He had the win on Contender Series and then these two UFC wins. 
that contender series continues to be a, a giant success for the UFC. What else stood out to you on this show, Joe? Well, those two gentlemen that you guys are talking about, obviously Devontae did uh, great in the post-fight interview. Uh, sorry, James, I still think he's an absolute gong show, but he's, uh, he is kind of funny afterwards. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, he called out Trinaldo, am I correct? Yeah, yeah, he was supposed to fight him, actually. Yeah, they, yeah, for some reason, they scrapped that fight. I'm not sure why. Okay, so James, you're talking about, you know, the, the UFC is going to back him and stuff like that, and he's got a future uh, in the lightweight division. It is the division that is the hardest to build fighters in because John Annex said it best a few years ago, you, you, one loss in this division – that sets you back a long time. You have to consistently win. And, you know, at number 15, Trinaldo's the guy that Devontae wants. Why not? I think it's fantastic. And bang, you should be in the rankings after that. But then you have to go up and down from 15 all the way to number one to see what Devontae Smith has to go through before he gets anywhere near a title shot. So the the, the future is bright. It's also disastrous for this kid because it's not going to be an easy climb up those rankings. It's not like some of the other rankings that we have here where you're like, Ah, you know, a couple of wins will get you up there. Not at 155, man. This kid's going to have a lot of work to do. James, anything else uh, stick out to you on this show? Uh, we talked about Montana De La Rosa, another good win for her. You know, like I said on the preview show, her record's pretty deceiving at 10 and 4. She's fought a lot of really good competition, uh, you know, clearly outmatched Nadia Kasim. She wants Paige Van Zant next because she wants to get paid. Sign me up. I think that's a great fight. Um, Ricky Simone looked good. Uh, you know, the, the Kia Kara France, I was curious to see how you guys scored that fight because Paiva, uh, you know, was a split. I think a, some people felt like Paiva won. I, I happened yeah. to score for him, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it was just one of those really close fights. And uh, yeah, other than that, not a whole lot stood out. Like Jonathan Martinez winning was like, Eh, you know, good, good for him getting his first UFC win, but nothing outstanding. Kang had a squash match against Ishihara. I talked about that. I think Ishihara is going to get cut. I mean, let, let's be honest. Yeah, he should. That's, uh, you know, I, th- I think he'd be a good fit in Ryzen, but that was a complete mismatch. And, you know, Shane Young uh, looking great, even with the layoff, getting the win over Arnett. So, uh, you know, there's a few good things here. But, um, yeah, that uh, that Kara France fight, I think that was a bit of a robbery. Yeah, 80% of fans and I think 70% of media had it for, for Paiva as well. After this fight, we got the... The uh, typical uh, Nick Diaz, who's he going to fight? He's going to fight Anderson Silva, blah, blah, blah. Nick Diaz says, I don't want to do that. I'd rather party. Can we Can we just put the kibosh on this from now on, Joe? Can we just say, all right, he wants to party. He doesn't want to fight. Let's move on. We can. And when, as soon as we decide to do so, a fight's announced. Right? Yeah. Anything with Diaz or Nick Diaz or Nate Diaz is so unpredictable. You just have to roll with it all. You got to be like water with these guys. You just got to accept it uh, and take it from there because things change with these two so quickly and so often that it just gets to the point where you don't know what to believe anymore. <coughs> Although when you take a look at the fact that Nick Diaz has been away for so long, you you probably tend to realize, you know what, maybe he doesn't want to, um, you know, quote unquote, he said, doesn't want to hurt anybody anymore. I want to party. All right. Well, Hopefully you got all that money and you're doing good stuff with the money that you've made over your career because that's a difficult scenario to to walk away from. But it's his life, right? Do what he wants to do. James, any thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, no, I think, um, I, I think, yeah, Joe brings up some good points there. Um, you know, I think in, in general, uh, that this card overall, you know, could have been worse, but it, it ended up being a pretty good, uh, I do want to chime in quickly, uh, cause I didn't get a chance to mention it. The Calvin Gaslam belt thing. I'm with you guys. I thought that looked silly. The problem I have is that Gaslam's not like that. So it's like, he's trying to be something when he's not. And I have a feeling his manager might've said something to him uh, be, yeah. before with, with Marlon Moraes, uh, you know, saying, 
Dillashaw doesn't deserve to fight him. Same sort of thing for a guy who preaches, you know, being humble all the time. He's sure doing the exact opposite. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't like the Gaslam thing. I, I understand, you know, we're talking about it. So people are like, well, there you go at work. But I don't think that's in Gaslam's character. Had Colby done that, had Conor McGregor done that, fair enough. That's in their nature to do that. But to me, it just looked fake. And I think it actually backfired a bit, in my opinion. Seemed desperate to me. That's yeah. what it, it seemed like. He was desperate to get some sort of reaction. And he did from a couple people. But hey, of course, after every event, it's also discussed. Well, who's Connor going to fight? Is Connor coming back yet? What's going on with Connor? We might as well have the conversation again. James, who's Connor going to fight? Well, they're saying Cowboy Cerrone. I, I think that fight makes sense um, to a certain degree just because Cowboy's, you know, back in the division again. The last time Cowboy fought a highly ranked fighter um, in the lightweight division was when he fought Dos Anjos for the title shot, and he ended up getting, you know, starched in that fight. So I think he wants some redemption. McGregor got embarrassed against Habib. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and then other than that, I mean, it's like no, no Dustin Poirier, no Ferguson, none of those guys. Let, let's, you know, let's keep this simple. I think Cowboy's the fight to make, and uh, it seems like that's what they're leaning towards, according to Dana White. But that changes every week. How about you, Joe? So from day one, Cowboy Cerrone. Cowboy Cerrone, not only, uh, um, you know, people can say he doesn't deserve that fight. Have you looked at Donald Cerrone, Cerrone's career? Yeah. Uh, he deserves a massive payday, and it could be his goodbye payday, and Conor McGregor would be the fighter that would give it to him. And, you know, you can't count out Donald Cerrone, although I think, you know, He'd be the, he'd be a heavy underdog. He'd be a heavy underdog, and I think Cerrone would be, or excuse me, um, McGregor would be a massive favorite there. But you'd never know with Cowboy, right? He can get that fight down on the ground if he wants, and that get that fight can change in a heartbeat. So not just with Connor's devastating striking and uh, Cowboy's devastating striking. So either way, I would like to see that fight there. And if Connor wants to compete uh, and make money, there's plenty of guys for him. I think uh, you know that Cowboy fight would be fantastic. UFC. Does good ratings on ESPN again. Not really a lot to discuss here that we haven't already, but but worth pointing out as, as well. Uh, Conor McGregor and Anderson Silva teased maybe fighting each other. Dana White turned that down. Uh, it's it's just a carousel of fights that aren't going to happen. So we'll see how, how all that ends up. Uh, Cody Stamen replaces Song Yadong at UFC 235. Uh, James has an interview up on... Uh, Fightful's YouTube. I think this is uh, an upgrade. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. But uh, we also have a, several cards coming up this or over the next three or four days, like three or four different shows. Uh, before we get into that, I wanted to talk about Daniel Cormier. We kind of assumed it because he wasn't going to fight before next month. He's he's still hurt, but says that he is not retiring on the MMA Hour. That's good news. He seemed open to at least two more fights, which is very good news for the UFC, James. It is. I just wonder who he's going to fight. Um, I mean, waiting out this long for Brock, I don't <laughs> think we're going to see him just hold out and then fight Stipe again. Um, I, I think he's still holding out for Brock. So, you know, yes, he doesn't want to retire, but it might be a while before we see him because I just don't see um, him fighting Stipe again because it's it's not a big payday for him. I think John Jones, maybe Jones beats Smith. Uh, you know, again, that's going to, you know, I know that fight hasn't happened yet, but um, if Jones gets past Smith, I think they they do the trilogy then because I think Cormier knows his options are limited at this point and he wants to fight and I think he knows what his worth is and uh, you know I just think against Stipe there, there's just not a lot of upside there even though I think Stipe with his body of work um, and everything he's you know he's he's done more than enough to deserve his opportunity but I think uh, I think Cormier is going to end up fighting Jones most likely because I don't I don't know you'd know better than me Sean I don't think Brock's coming back anytime soon I think he might uh, after WrestleMania. 
but WrestleMania is the priority right now. Joe, uh, any thoughts on Daniel Cormier's immediate future? Well, that was the question I was going to ask. James took it out of my mouth. I think it's a valid question. You know, what is happening with Brock Lesnar? If it's going to be after WrestleMania, um, you know, I think, Okay, so James put it succinctly when he said, Daniel, it's crazy to think the heavyweight champion of the world doesn't have many options. But at this point here, you have to look at a a fighter's career and trajectory to earn money fights. And Daniel Cormier has officially earned money fights. And the two money fights are Brock Lesnar uh, and that trilogy fight with John Jones. Uh, If he's holding out for Brock, good for him. Massive payday. He can potentially call it a career there. Uh, but does the ego get involved and think, you know what, I can beat John Jones. I know I can beat John Jones. Does he go after that fight eventually as well? So if those are the two fights that he's looking for, I'd love to see them. I want to see him fight Brock, and I definitely want to see him fight uh, John again, as, as crazy as it sounds. But, uh, you know, D- Daniel Cormier has been nothing but good to me. I'm sure he's been great to James and, and you guys, um, except that one time he was cutting weight in Buffalo. He was a bit of a miserable SOB, but that's okay. That happens. Um, he deserves the paydays, man. I, I, I believe it. Other fights that are uh, are set up. Johnny Walker replaces OSP at 235. I think this is an upgrade as far as Buzz is concerned. James, I see that stupid grin on your face. Jeez. I'm just happy I get to watch this guy fight live, and now I can do my puns in person. Um, you know, it's, it's going gonna, it's, it's to be awesome. This was the fight to make. I know I've seen some people disagree with this, but if, the, if there was ever a matchup that you needed to to make, uh, it, it's here. You know, Serkinov. Yeah, he's coming off a win, but he had two disappointing losses before that. Uh, you got Johnny Walker. He's the new kid in town. He's looked great. I mean, two highlight reel finishes, but can he beat a guy like Misha, who at this point is a veteran? I mean, he's had enough fights in the UFC where it's sink or swim for him. Can he beat an up-and-comer in Johnny Walker? Can he, you know, is the training in Las Vegas? Has it paid off? I love everything about this fight, and I'm just so happy. I think Walker adds a huge boost to this card over OSP, in my opinion. This is an awesome fight. Brent Primus versus Tim Wilde headlines Bellator Europe uh, 2. Expect no buzz out of that one, but uh, <laughs> there was a little bit of buzz from a story that you kind of uncovered yesterday, James. UFC drops knockout promotions from UFC Fight Pass, and Dana White's looking for a fight after some crazy allegations. Maybe walk us through what happened. Yeah, that's, I've, I've literally been just avoiding a lot of uh, Twitter this morning because I'm getting a lot of hate about this, but uh, I felt it was important to, to stand up for this. So for those who don't know, uh, Knockout Promotions are based out of Michigan, and uh, their their owner, uh, Josh Medley, w- was outed last year. There was a bunch of screenshots that, that went around social media with him using the N-word. And it's not like someone going back and digging up an old tweet like this or an old message. Th- there's several messages here of him referring to fighters in his organization just with absolute hate and racism and bigotry and everything like that. So when someone gets caught doing this you'd think they would you know like you know uh, face the music and apologize none of that this guy deleted his facebook everyone figured the organization was done and then all of a sudden in january we see that they they're doing an event joe riggs was actually in the main event and when i saw that i, I had to speak up here you know i'm a parent I'm, I'm a father you know i'm not doing this for attention i'm doing this because i you know we should all not stand for racism so i pointed it out then the event still went on and then i saw ufc fight pass was doing a co-promotion with uh, x i believe it's x x1 fights out of hawaii and kop so i had to say something and i basically just said i'm disappointed in this decision and i hope the ufc is aware of this so fast forward to yesterday you know i'm getting all these messages like how dare would you, you take away this opportunity from the fighters it's like that's not the point it's it, this guy is a racist people should know about this the ufc should be aware of this well turns out they, they weren't aware of this i got a call from the producer of looking for a fight we spoke on the phone yesterday i explained my reasoning saying that you know this is this is something we shouldn't stand for that this guy you know making a profit and, and he's a racist and then there's no remorse there's no apology he did do a video but there was no 
like apology in it. It was just him saying, well, that's not the type of person I am. Yeah, not good enough. And, and the fact it was so recent. So anyways, spoke to the producer. He's like, look, I had no idea about this. Obviously, the UFC doesn't want any more negative attention. I'm going to talk to Dana, blah, blah, blah. He told me on the phone yesterday, this, this event is not happening and that they're not going to be on Fight Pass. So as you can imagine, people upset. But it surprises me a bit because the, the root of this is someone being a racist. You'd think yeah. people would stand up for that. And unfortunately, we haven't. And so I've just been kind of avoiding a lot of that because, you know, people just don't understand. I mean, I don't know how people can stand for this. Yeah, I feel bad for the fighters when their opportunity is taken away. But there's other there's other promotions on Fight Pass. Joe knows quite well. Titan FC's got, you know, a promotion on there. there there's a whole bunch of promotions that are on Fight Pass. There's going to be other opportunities for fighters there. You know, there, there are ways around it. I'm happy to support any other promotion that doesn't employ this guy. So that's what I got to say about that. I am completely with you. I think you did the right thing. I think it's the right thing to do. I think that PFL also did the right thing. They indefinitely suspended Josh Copeland after this alleged domestic violence incident. Uh, this situation is one that has happened an awful lot in MMA. We, we see it a lot, Joe. And I think that PFL going ahead and taking action is probably the right move. I mean, suspend him if something comes out where he actually, where he's convicted or something like that, you fire him. I think that they, they went about it the right way. No, you're correct. You're correct. And we're seeing, it was through, I mean, it's, it's 2019. We're still seeing uh, a fair amount of racism uh, as well as domestic abuse, uh, not just in mixed martial arts, but globally, uh, with a lot of sports, uh, there was a few different things that happened. Actually, um, you know, for those that don't know, I'm a, I'm a massive, massive soccer fan. Uh, my team is Juventus, and I watch every single one of their games, as well as many other games from Serie A all the time. And there was one point, I think about a month or two months ago, where all the fighters, so first things first, uh, there was a ban with some of the fans because they were taunting uh, a black player. Uh, calling them names, making monkey sounds. Uh, there was one, uh, you know, the whole banana thing, banana peel situation. Those fans got booted out of the arena. Those that that team suffered a huge financial loss. Uh, with this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The president who was disgusted with his fans coming out and, and, and making a statement. Uh, a couple of a couple of weeks later, every player in Serie A had a red mark on their face to signify you know, anti-domestic violence because there was a problem uh, in Italy, as an example, with domestic violence, with women being killed uh, with some of these situations. So they had to raise awareness through their number one sport with every single one of their players, Ronaldo and all the number one players in, in the game, all with red marks on their face, including I think the referees as well, uh, to signify just to raise awareness. So this kind of stuff uh, has to stop. So and in terms of PFL, I think it's uh, it's 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 the right call to make. If, if this comes out like that, suspend him. If he gets charged or something worse comes from it, got to go. Got to go. We have several cards this weekend. We're going to get through them. First off, I just want to discuss the absolute set of balls <laughs> on Matt Mitrione for daring, daring to say on the air, me versus Sergey Karatanov is a super fight. That is, 
I believe Kelvin Gastelum won the middleweight title more than I believe that Matt Mitrione versus Sergey Karatanov is a super fight. <laughs> I could not believe that he said it. I could not believe that Bellator said, yeah, that's that's the right move. Well, we'll keep that in the video. And can't believe that Paramount aired it. But he's facing Haritanov. I think Haritanov's going to win this one. But this isn't a bad show on uh, Friday either. You have Logan Storley in action. You have uh, Dudu Dantes in action. Some okay fights, though. Uh, Pedro Carvalho and Brandon Gertz are on there, too. Uh, nothing on the prelims. You have Amanda Bell, who beat a couple of, of the horsewomen back in the day. But uh, Austin Vanderford, Paige Van Zandt's uh, husband. I almost called almost said wife uh <laughs> oh, wow. on the show it was not intentional but uh james what, what do you think of this show a decent one nowhere near as big as their saturday night show yeah it, it, again we've talked about this before i don't necessarily like the the back-to-back shows especially when you have a ufc card as well because it's, it's going to be tough to catch up I'll, i'm sure i'm going to pvr some of this and catch up on it a bit later but yeah some of these fights are really interesting uh, this toby i'm a set guy uh, what a year he's had he, he got lost on contender series if you remember went to bellator to hawaii got a huge win and now he steps in on short notice against dantes who needs desperately needs a win here i think if dantes loses here this might be the last time we see him in bellator um you know i know it's bantamweight and they need more guys but uh you know he doesn't really fit the the paramount slash spike uh, mold, so to speak. Um, so great opportunity here for Toby. Austin Vanderford, great guy. I've interviewed him a handful of times. He, I think the UFC mis- made a mistake not signing him at a contender series. This is actually fighting at a catch weight, which is interesting because of the short notice. This Mike Kimball guy, everyone's big on. He was on the Ariel's show. Uh, got that highlight reel win in his last fight. He's taken on John Duma. Duma's another guy I wouldn't uh, count out. Logan Storley finally getting a, well, he had a co-main event in his last fight, but he's a guy, I don't know why they're, they're not pushing more. He should really be in that welterweight tournament, uh, 9-0. and And I'm with you guys. This is absolutely not a super fight with Mitrione, but I think they're banking on the fact that, you know, the average Paramount viewer isn't an average MMA fan, and they're just like, oh, super fight. Yeah, I'll tune in. That makes sense. It reminds me of when, you know, Mark Pavlich used to run MFC and said that he has the best promotion in the world. You know, the U- people in the UFC, you know, they're, they're, they're wasting their time watching that watch mfc so it's promoters are going to promote right uh Haritanov is a minus 145 over mitrione plus 105 i gotta speak to scott coker next time i talk to him i'm gonna say hey why do you all run these back-to-backs in the same city is it to give like maybe multiple distributors more content because i know that the the saturday show is on DAZN. this one's on DAZN and paramount uh joe you got Matt Matrone against Haritanov. I want your pick and anything else you might be looking forward to on this show. Well, clearly it's a super fight. I mean, the ratings are going to be fantastic. Paramount obviously knows exactly what they're doing, and this is huge. I mean, you talk about Logan Storley trying to get in that, that welterweight tournament. The absolute eyeballs he's going to get from this super fight in the main event is going to be fantastic. <laughs> People are going to know exactly who he is. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm going with, um, well, it's tough to say. I mean, Mitrion can, can surprise a lot of people, but I'll go with Karnatanov because based on his last performance, he's looking pretty damn good. Uh, my, my real question for this fight, for this event here is, man, Tuesday, we could be talking about Eduardo Dantas on a three fight losing streak. I don't think he's going to lose, but he could be on a three fight losing streak. This is a former champ, man. Our entire show next week might be a review show because we got these, these three yep. cards and Bellator 216 is the next night. And it is a damn good show. You have uh, you have Eric Silva against Amasov, who is twenty and zero. He made that impressive debut against Gerald Harris. Has looked great. Uh, Mirko Krokop against Roy Nelson. That could be fun or really terrible. Vitaly Minikov and Chet Congo. Now some of the lines on these are wild. Roy Nelson plus one sixty. 
uh, Krokop at minus 210. I think that's where it should be. But Czech Congo, a plus 340 against Minikov, a minus 510. Now, Czech Congo has been on a hot streak, James. And Minikov, still on a hot streak as well. But, man, that <laughs> line for a heavyweight fight, that, that's kind of wild to me. Yeah, I'd put five in it just in case. But Minikov has been pretty dominant, hasn't lost a fight. I mean, I think I forget which fight it was. There was one that it was a little bit more competitive than it needed to be. But, um, you know, in all likelihood, Minikov's going to win this and fight Ryan Bader. Um, but, but yeah, great fight. I mean, I don't know why they did the rematch. The first fight wasn't great. Um, you could have just done Minikov against Bader right out the gate, but I guess they want to take advantage or at least, you know, get him familiar with the Bellator audience, uh, you know, since his return. So, um, but yeah, I'm with you. Anytime there's a heavyweight fight, if anyone's even over plus 200, there's always value in a fight. Bellator doesn't really seem to have any rhyme or reason why they do rematches sometimes. (laughs) They just, they're like, who cares that the first one sucked? Kind of odd. (laughs) I mean, they, they do it. They do it all the time. Joe, we got Kurokop and Nelson. We have Amasov against Silva, Congo and Minikov. Who are you picking in those fights? Uh, Amasov. I just don't trust Eric Silva anymore, obviously. Um, Krokop and Roy Nelson. That's actually, believe it or not, that's a strategic fight. Like it's gonna, There's going to be strategy involved there from Krokop. I can't see Krokop making that mistake of getting tagged by Nelson. Uh, and I don't think Nelson ever wants to go back to that black belt that he has from Hanzo Gracie and take the fight down to the ground, uh, which would he'd be, be dominating people. He could be, he could, this guy could have gone down as a submission master in, his, in this game, right? He just chose not to. He'd rather, he told me flat out, him and his wife told me flat out many times that striking is where it's at. So that's what I'm going to do. And then... Uh, don't laugh, guys. I know Minikov should be destroying Congo. I, I got this feeling Congo's going to surprise a lot of people. Czech Congo has been surprising me nonstop for the last year or two. He's been, especially of late, he's been great. So I can't write him off. He will be one of my I got five on it picks. That's my I got five on it right there, man. Yeah. Uh, the main event, and it's what everybody's coming to see, and it could be fight of the weekend or it could be the most terrible fight of the weekend. These These types can be like that. Paul Daly, MVP, this is the fight. This is one of the best fights that Bellator could possibly make from a a star perspective. We have Michael Page at minus 245, Daly at plus 175. For a long time, James, everybody said that Michael Page would just hype. I don't think you can call him that anymore, but this, this is the fight for him. It is. Uh, this reminds me a little bit of Vandalay Silva and Chuck Liddell, like a, like about three years too late. Um, but but yeah. nonetheless, I'm glad we finally are seeing it. Um, Daly's had some big wins in between. Then the, the win over Larkin was great. Um, you know, I know he's you know he lost to John Fitch, but uh, anyone who fights a wrestler, if you're a wrestler and you're fighting Paul Daly, I, I, chances are in your favor. And Page isn't really an, it, that at all. Uh, so if this stays standing, it's an interesting fight. I think there is value on Daly here at plus one seventy five because he's got that power. If he gets in on the inside, he can knock you out. Just ask Lorenz Larkin. Um, but but Page. I think is more technical. It's 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 a really is a coin flip, but um, I, I do think there is a path to victory there for Daly. If I had to make a pick, though, I think I'll go Page just because I think his striking is a little bit better, and and I think Daly's just you know he's taken uh, he's he's had a lot of fights. There's a lot of wear and tear there, so um, I, I think Page is, is a little bit fresher. I just hope we don't see a repeat of Michael Page and Fernando Gonzalez because that was a really bad fight, and we thought it was going to be bonkers, and it wasn't at all. Yeah, and when you look at Michael Page, like I, I remember when I first saw the tornado kick, and I'm sure you all know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. When he was in UC MMA, he was 24 years old then, and you back then you even had a lot of people say, "Bring him up slow, bring him up slow." They've done that. I think he's 31 now. He'll be 32 soon. I think 32 in April. Not so I mean, they have taken their time with him. 
Now, to be fair, he's fought some guys that have been where been around, like Rudy Bears, Ricky Rainey, Nashawn Burrell. Not amazing fighters, but they've been around. Uh, Cyborg Santos was a crafty veteran who had his career ended by this man. Fernando Gonzalez, while that fight sucked, he's a pretty decent fighter. Dave Rickles, pretty good fighter. This is the biggest test of Michael Page's career. And since that tornado kick, I mean, we're talking 15 fights between kickboxing and MMA, Joe. It is time. They they can't put this off any longer. And he he is here in the tournament. Uh, how do you think it goes? No, I think he emerges victorious. And I think James, uh, the, the one word James used there was pretty succinct. I think it will be bonkers, James. Uh, I, I know there's so many fights that we've seen in the past where we think uh, it's going to be quote-unquote bonkers. I think this one's going to be crazy. There may be a situation where you know that they may respect each other right off the top, but eventually as soon as someone figures out that distance, uh, it's going to get ugly, and I think the, the place is going to explode. Uh, if these casual, I know it's in a casino, and I know that sometimes you know casino crowds aren't exactly MMA fans per se, but once they realize, if they do understand the significance of this fight here, I think that place that that roof could just be exploding, man. It's going to be. I think it's going to be a fantastic fight. I really do. And I think Paige will emerge victorious uh, via TKO. For those asking, I will decide what I'm going to do with post shows. As uh, obviously, there's events every day this weekend, and Elimination Chamber Sunday. I'll figure it out a little bit closer and uh, try to update you guys. But we also have UFC on ESPN One. Again, as the Naked Gambler put on Twitter, Kane Velasquez allegedly fighting. Keep in mind, as of now, technically Brock Lesnar has fought more recently than Cain Velasquez. That's wild. But we have Alexandra Albu, a minus 155 against Emily Whitmire. James, you spoke to Emily before this show. Yeah, um, I, I think there's some value here in Emily, to be honest, because she's fought uh, a little bit more recently. I know the last time we saw her was July, but Albu's barely fought. She's only got three fights. Even prior to Emily going on the Ultimate Fighter, she had some decent competition in RFA. Um, to me, this is a competitive fight, and I think, uh, like I said, I think there is value on Whitmire. Um, I'd be curious to see what the decision prop is uh, when that comes out, because uh, it seems like that's usually how a lot of the women's fights go. Um, but yeah, I, I like Whitmire here actually for the upset. Uh, again, I think activity is going to play a role in this one. And just talking to her, um, you know, she's getting she has the benefit of training in Vegas, so she gets a lot of different looks over there uh, in terms of training partners and everything else. So uh, she's just been really happy with the training from when I spoke to her. Joe, Luke Sanders is likely fighting for his job. And he yeah. is facing Hennon Burrell, and Luke Sanders is still a minus one eighty five. What does what do you think of the betting line, and what does that tell you about how far Hennon Burrell has fallen? Well, that that's I mean the proof is in the pudding, right? Look, this is a former champion. This guy reigned the division, uh, and now he's on the early prelims on ESPN Plus, right? Like it just goes to show you how far he has actually fallen. It's it's I don't think it's going to be an easy fight, despite the fact that. Uh, you know, he does have all the skill in the world, but something happened. I think it was, you know, TJ Dillashaw took this guy's life away pretty much, you know, took away his career uh, with the beatdowns that he gave him. So uh, it, it's tough to say. My heart will always be with Henning Burrell, although he's, you know, he's, he's wired a little differently. I remember my interviews with him and Aldo back in the day uh, when they were both champions. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting fight, but I don't know what to think anymore, man. Honestly, with, with guy, Sean, with, with Burrell, I don't know what to think anymore. James, what do you think? And you also uh, spoke to Luke. Yeah, one of the things I didn't like hearing in my interview with Luke is that he's sort of just training with like a few ex-training partners in in Arizona, but he's not the lab, which I, I don't really know why. I don't know if something happened there, but uh, you know, you're not getting that world class training. That that's a little bit concerning. Um, you know, he's he's to me this is uh, this is a fight that that Barrow can win. 
Um, you know, we, we've seen sort of the fall that he's had, uh, especially the last fight too against uh, Ull, where you know I think he should have won that one. But Sanders has been so inconsistent for me. Uh, you know, the, the loss to Yaya in his last fight. He got the win over Patrick Williams, but that was a decision. Williams was eight and five. Sukumtai got knocked out by Andre Sukumtai doesn't knock out people like regularly. Yuri Alcantara, that was a fight he was winning, and then he had a lapse and he got submitted. So um, I think this is a I think this is a must win for both guys. I think uh, whoever loses here is probably not going to be in the UFC next. I'm actually going to go with Barrow here, though. I think um, you know to me, I just I can't trust Luke Sanders' fight IQ. And again, I'm not a fan of the training camp right now, so I'm going to go Barrow because Barrow's at ATT, so at least uh, you know he's getting in some some solid work, solid training partners. Jessica Panay is a minus 160 over Jody Escabel, a plus 140. I was a little surprised that Jessica Panay got this fight. Uh, you had, hadn't heard anything about her being cut throughout this two-year suspension that she had experienced. She had lost three in a row, uh, including, I mean, she hasn't fought in almost two years. Why do you think it is she got this fight? I mean, that is it because she sacrificed her face to Joanna Janjacek? Like, is it a... <laughs> Is it a favor? Like, what is it? I mean, personally, I like her. I think she markets herself pretty well. The stuff with Angela Hill. But what do you think, James? Yeah, I think it's that. And I think she has good management. She's with Sucker Punch. Uh, they seem to do a good job of keeping their fighters, uh, you know, on the roster. And yeah, I think, uh, you know, she was also, I think they, um, she was a finalist on uh, the Ultimate Fighter her season, yeah. right? I think they put some stock. I think that's like your saving grace. If you're, you know, if you, if you make it far on the Ultimate Fighter, they tend to keep you around. Um, and, and you know, I just think it was, uh, they probably needed an opponent for Escobar. Escobar, similar situation. She fought Carolina Kol- uh, Kovalkiewicz on short notice. And, uh, you know, I, I think the UFC is kind of like, hey, we're, we're going to give you a little bit more of a leash. Um, I, I like Penna here. I, I think she gets it done. Um, I think she puts on a, a sizzling performance here. And, uh, you know, she uh, I think she can get it done over uh, Jody Escobar. Uh, you know, probably win a decision here. I think she's winning it, too. I'm not going to give Joe the satisfaction. <laughs> Nick Lentz, a plus 160 over Scott Holtzman, <laughs> minus 185. You have Andrea Lee. A minus 185, a plus 160 is Ashley Evans-Smith. You have Benito Lopez, plus 170. Manny Bermudez, a minus 200. Then you also have uh, Andre Feely, plus 130. Miles Jury, minus 150. Big underdog is Brian Barbarina. Changed the record. Plus 310 over or against a minus 370 Vicente Luque. That is never a safe bet when you're fighting Brian Barbarina. Definitely one of my I got five on it. And you, then you have Alice Caceres plus 285, Kron Gracie minus 345. These fights aren't any that are going to light up the rankings or anything, Joe, but are any of these lines or fights something that stand out to you? Well, look at the names that you've mentioned. Look at the boats that you've talked about. Which is a better card, pay-per-view worthy, this one or last weekend's? This one, right? Like yeah. it's not a bad card at all. There's some good fights there. I like the the intangible that Barbrina brings because you can't. We, we haven't it even out. gotten into the better fights, the ones that do have ranking implications. Yeah, right. And Feely and Jury, that's that's going to be absolutely insane. Provided Miles's head is where it needs to be, uh, it's going to be sick. But that that Jimmy Rivera and Aljamain Sterling fight, ooh, me likey, me likey, likey, likey. That's going to be a fantastic scrap. We'll go ahead and talk about that in a moment. But uh, we know Andrea Lee's come back from a lot. Uh, what of the fights that I mentioned, James, uh, stand out to you and maybe any lines where you can get some value? Yeah, uh, Caceres being plus 285 against Cron Gracie, who you know hasn't fought since he since he fought Kawajiri, layoff. He's only got four fights. I realize his skill set on the ground, and I know Caceres has been submitted, but 
I mean, just, you look at the experience of Caceres. I, I think there's value there at plus 285. Uh, Barbarina and Luque, I, the thing that concerns me with Barbarina is similar to Luke Sanders. Uh, Barbarina is training at home. He's not at the yeah. lab either. Uh, he's training the tail end of his uh, camp there. Um, and Luque, I think, is so underrated, man. Like, we've seen what he's done to, to guys. I mean, he's the only guy to finish Bilal Muhammad uh, early in a fight. Um, you know, this guy, I think, is, is on the road to becoming a contender. Um, so I understand the line on that. I don't know if there's value on Barbarina. But, again, like, you know, people expected Sage Northcutt to, to beat him, and he didn't do that. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd say as far as value, I think Caceres, um, I, I think there is value on Rivera just, to, you know, straight, straight up uh, minus 145. I know Sterling has, you know, got a nice win in his last fight over, um, Cody Stamen, but Rivera's, you know, outside of that one loss to Moraes, he's looked great in all of his fights. I think the Bermuda's line is where it needs to be. And I think Andrea Lee beats Ashley Evan Smith. No problem. Um, I, I'm, I'm very high on her. I think she's, she's going to, you know, be close to it, to a title shot soon. I think at flyweight and, uh, Nick Lentz at plus one sixty is interesting too. Cause again, experience, he's got way more than Scott Holtzman. Let's address the elephant in the room with Andrea Lee. Donnie Aaron still hasn't been caught, right? I don't yeah. think so. No, that's nuts. Yeah. That's psycho. Well, it's good that Andrea Lee has some of the toxicity out of her life, but I think from Jimmy Rivera, I think he's far more consistent in the cage than Sterling, even though Sterling of late has been the best I've ever seen him. Uh, I like that fight as well. I'm with you guys on the the Kron Gracie-Caceres thing. I think that Caceres could pull one off. He's going to be one of my guys. I got five on it. I'll tell you a weird situation. Cynthia Calvillo, minus 280. Uh, Courtney Casey plus 240. I don't think that's the weird situation. I think the line is okay. What I think is weird is that Courtney Casey is ranked higher than Cynthia Calvillo. Yeah. Cynthia Cavillo has beaten Amanda Cooper, Pearl Gonzalez, uh, Joanne Calderwood, Botello. She's like, what, four and one in the UFC? Then you look at Courtney Casey, who has lost two of her last three. She's two and three in her last five. Anytime she makes a real big step up, really into the top 10. She has trouble. Watterson, Herrig, uh, Gedalia, even Calderwood back in the day. Joe, I'm going with Calvillo all day on this one. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm picking Calvillo as well, but I do want to make a, a quick thing. I wasn't able to comment on the Cron Gracie uh, Alex Caceres fight. Uh, I am picking Cron in this fight. I don't I, like I made, the line. I made the decision for you, Joe. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I don't like the line, though, James. It's minus 345. That's. that's I mean, somebody out there puts, must have put a lot of money in this. This line might have changed or moved, stuff like that. Because I've, I've called Kron's fights before. Uh, have you ever interviewed him, James? I have not, no. I hope if you ever get a chance to interview him, just brace yourself because anything and everything you say to him may be taken as an insult. Uh, <laughs> he is a Diaz brother through and through. All right? Like, the, 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 the wiring that he's got is very similar. I mean, you spend that much time with Nick and Nate, uh, you have different wiring. But I've, he's, he's told me many a story uh, about training with those guys and what it's like when, uh, when Nick heads a camp. So, But Kron Gracie, if you've never seen him compete, it's, it's a Gracie through and through. He'll get that fight down on the ground. He'll take your back. Uh, and before you know it, you're, you're going to fall asleep. So just be careful with the Caceres' striking style, and he should be fine. But uh, back to your question, Sean. Cavill, yeah, she'll, she'll emerge victorious here. I believe so. James Vick, a minus 115. Paul Felder, a minus 105. This is a hell of a fight, Joe. Me likey. Likey, likey. Somebody's legs are going to be hurting. If not both of their legs are going to be hurting, there'll be some bruised shin bones. And if Felder can get those elbows in there, uh, it could be a short night for Vick or, or it could be a long night for Felder because Vick has this innate just ability to make you just to drag you on and then finish you. So it's going to be a really fun fight. James, how do you see this one going? 
I like Vic in this fight. I think people are blinded. There, there's people who just hate James Vic. I don't know if it's because he's outspoken or because he got knocked out in his last fight and he talked a lot leading up to that fight. But James Vic is couch. still yeah. the couch. Yeah, the couch. That, that, <laughs> that too. But, uh, you know, he talked about when, when I spoke to him, he, you know, he had a really bad weight cut in his last fight. He says, apparently sugar, he's, it's just, it's a thing he struggled with for a lot of his cuts. So he said the cut was really bad in his last one. And, you know, when you're, you're trying to stand and trade with Justin Gaethje, it never ends well. Um, I, I just think overall, I think Vic is, 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 you know, the better fighter. And I think he's, he can use his reach. He can get in there. I mean, we forget this is the guy who finished Joseph Duffy and Duffy had not been finished like that before in the UFC. So, um, you know, he's, he's got some notable wins, you know, Felder's got a longer layoff, you know, fought at welterweight last. He's looking in good shape though. I saw the photo of him recently, but, um, I think Vic takes this one just, I, I think it'll be a, you know, an all out brawl, but I think Vic will show that he's still one of the top guys. Cause you don't just amass a 13 and two record for nothing. Uh, he's, he's got some good wins. And I think as long as he doesn't get knocked out, I think he's, he's, he's going to get the victory here. Then we get the main event. Cain Velazquez against Francis Ngannou. Velazquez, who has not fought in two and a half years, is a minus 185 favorite over Francis Ngannou. And Ngannou off of a real big win that he needed against Curtis Blades. And that, that win cannot be understated because Curtis Blades can wrestle his ass off. If you were to... To say what part of Kane's skill set worries me the most for Nganu, it's the wrestling. But as we've seen, Francis can put down a wrestler and put him to sleep almost immediately. Frankly, I'm not putting a dime on this fight because I don't know what Kane Velazquez can do anymore. I have no idea his skill set. I know that when he fought in 2016, he fought a, a Travis Brown who was well on the downslope. And other than that, he doesn't have a win in five years. That's all I know. And I know that for several years before that, he fought like two guys. For years, he fought two guys. We were we had a lot of years taken from, from us of Cain Velasquez. He missed, good God, he missed a year and a half between the Dos Santos and the Verdum fight. He missed over a year between Verdum and Brown, and now two and a half years. James, how do you think this one goes? Because as we know, depending on the opponent, Ngannou can blanket somebody and put them out. This fight's going to go one of two ways. Ngannou's going to win this fight in the first round. He's going to knock him out the way he did to Curtis Blades and so many other of his opponents. But if this fight goes to the second round, I like Kane here. I think he's got the wrestling. I think if he's anything close to the Kane that we saw in his last fight at UFC 200, which I was at, I, I think I think Kane takes this with his wrestling. I mean, I, there's no reason to stand and trade with uh, with, with Naganu. Um, I'd say Kane's the best wrestler Naganu's faced, and, and I don't think he's fought a wrestler like him before. Um, you know, if we're, if we're just if he's anywhere close, and, and I th- I think he will be. And you know, um, who is it? I'm trying to remember who talked about this. I think it was Javier Mendez talked about this that the time off actually benefited Kane because he was finally able to heal for some injuries. You know, he was fighting injured. He had that really bad performance against Verdum. I think we're going to see a glimmer of the old Kane, and I think even that is enough to beat Nagano. I'm going Kane by decision here. I think he gets it done with the wrestling. Joe, how do you see it going? I have no idea. Are you <laughs> kidding me? This guy hasn't fought in two and a half years. He's 36 years old. Now he does train with the heavyweight champion of the world. And that says a lot because the preparation, the assistance in preparation, um, you know, it's huge. Okay. So, I mean, I, I just don't know how a guy who's not even ranked former champ two and a half years out of the game is a favorite heading into a fight with a contender who can knock people's heads off. Uh, it, it is so tough to dissect and even, you know, break down other than what James said is, are we going to see vintage Kane? I mean, we haven't seen this guy in two and a half years. 
we know the wrestling that he has. We know the incredible ground and pound that he has. Is the timing going to be there? Do, in the gym is one thing. In the gym training against the guys that you're training with and you know trying to get up to speed and stuff like that. We know he's a world champion, but he got rocked uh, in the high altitude. Um, it's it's so tough to say what's going to happen in this fight here that I can't even give you a proper prediction. I think Ngannou's going to drop him, and then I think Kane's going to go back to old school and do what he did to Ben Rothwell and just like, no, I, I'm going to control this fight, and you're going to pay for signing on the dotted line. So it's a tough one, guys. It, re- it really is. Uh, my head says Kane Velazquez. My heart says Francis Ngannou. It's going to be a tough one, but I'm going to give you guys my weekend. I got five on it picks. This is over Bellator 215, 216, and UFC on ESPN1. First off, I have Chet Congo, a plus 340 against Vitaly Minikov, a minus 510. Normally, I get, I mean, I, I figure Vitaly Minikov is going to win this, but it's a heavyweight fight. Chet Congo has been on a roll. He has let his hands go a little more of late, and that can be bad news for anybody. I also have um, Alex Caceres plus 285 against Kron Gracie. I think that Kron Gracie can experience some things. Hey, Alex Caceres throws one pant shitter kick. (laughs) It can turn the tides. Anybody that gets caught with a nice liver kick from Alex Caceres could double over, and that's a wrap. And also, I have uh, Brian Barberina plus 310 against Vicente Luque, a minus 370, just because Brian Barberina has made his entire career on upsetting people. In fact, he spoke to James uh, about his Sage Northcutt win, said he was surprised that they let Sage Northcutt go. I- I'm picking Luque here, but considering the trend of Brian Barberina, I'm going with them. Uh, none of them hit last week after two straight weeks of two of three of my I got five on its hitting, although I do think Paiva should have won that fight, so I should have gotten at least one out of three. James, they can follow you at Lynch on Sports. What do you get going on this week as we wrap up? The interviews you mentioned there, uh, Luke Sanders, Ashley Evans-Smith, Courtney Casey, Cynthia Calvillo, Emily Whitmire, Brian Barbarena. We got you covered. You don't have to watch any other site. We got you covered, so don't worry about it. Um, looking forward to the fights this weekend. And, uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Lynch on Sports. And uh, thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. Guys, I'm making a big push for our uh, Facebook page. We are at Fightful Online. Search us. We are Fightful Pro Wrestling, MMA, and Boxing on Facebook. Please give us a like. Joe, where can they follow you on social media? At Showdown Joe, and I'll be paying attention to everything James does because every time his name comes up on my phone, I know it's something important to watch or pay attention to. And then, of course, you got Sean Ross Sapp being an absolute disaster with anything and everything wrestling. i got to pay attention to that as well. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be another one of those weeks. The bottom line is i got to deal with the snowstorm, boys. They just While we're on the yeah. air, they canceled my soccer practice with the boys. So I'm extremely sad. I'm going to have a bunch of parents that are going to try and figure out, can we go play in the snow? No, no, no. <laughs> Guys. Leave us a thumbs up, subscribe, join all of our live coverages this weekend. We have a great community over there. Hundreds of comments, thousands of comments. Thank you guys so much. We are on podcast platforms everywhere. We're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.